Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. As you are listening to this, I am likely somewhere hanging out in the great state of Tennessee or somewhere else in the uh, American Southeast and enjoying my longest amount of time out of my home state. That is right. In terms of travel, it's always just been like, all right, let's get there, let's get back. It's never really been, uh, all right, let's just let's just hang out. So hopefully I'm having fun. I imagine I'm having fun. Hopefully. I don't know. Now that I say that, I'm anxious. What if something goes wrong? <laughs> anyway, today we are going to talk about the four teams from the NHL's Atlantic Division uh, that did not make the playoffs and kind of, again, what this season was for them, the outlook moving forward again with me being on the road. I obviously cannot talk about what is going on around this actual time. Because I haven't seen it yet with these being pre-recorded. So again, the show will be back in its normal format, hopefully with Endo Sin and myself, at the very least with Endo and I, on April 26th is when we will is when we will be back in action. So with that said, let's get down to business with today's show. First and foremost, again, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order and free. Worldwide shipping when you use the code Toogie at checkout. Head to toe, Manscaped's got you covered for all of your grooming needs. Again, code Toogie at checkout, manscaped.com. So today, we get to start off in talking about the Atlantic Division. And then this upcoming Friday, I'll be talking about the two Western Conference Divisions in general. So with that... The Montreal Canadiens, at the time of recording, are in last in the Atlantic Division. And where do you start in terms of talking about what this season has been for this team? Fresh off of a Stanley Cup appearance, and they're terrible. They named Dom Ducharme their head coach. You know, you head into the season now without Shea Weber, without Carey Price... You lose Philip Deneau, and nothing went right for this team, essentially right out of the gates. And obviously the story of this season has been the front office changes with the team. You bring in Jeff Gorton as the president. He brings on good friend of his and first-time NHL GM uh, and you know former agent Kent Hughes to replace Mark Bergevin, which is a seismic move that went down. And then, of course, Dom Ducharme fell as well to the overwhelmingly positive response of Habs fans, at least now that we're about a month and a half, two months into it. At least that's what it feels like. Because Martin St. Louis, former Lightning Ranger great, was named head coach of this team. And all of a sudden, things got back on track. Too little too late... But all of a sudden, all that uh, all that negativity, for the most part, kind of went out the window. You know, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of people agree that, you know, had the Habs not made the playoffs last year, I think Mark Bergevin could have been fired. I don't think Dom Ducharme would have been brought on as their full-time head coach. They were left with almost no choice but to do that because of the cup run. Hey, format or not, they earned their spot there. They deserved it. I'm, I'm glad they didn't win as a Bruins fan. <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. While I resp while I think I would enjoy the spectacle of a Habs or even like a Leafs Cup parade at the same time, I'm like, mm, the the Twitter memes that we'd miss out on. I don't know if I want to lose those, you know. But that's really the story of this team, aside from the fact that they became the most injured team in NHL history. Looking ahead, though, they have two seconds in each of the next two years. This year, they have two seconds, or excuse me, two firsts in each of the next two years. A lot of numbers. Two seconds this year, three-thirds and three-fourths this year. They stocked up on draft picks. Great, great move for them. And again, you run into that situation. You don't really know at this rate what Carey Price's future is. He's missed the entire season at 34 years old. He's obviously gone through some personal struggles, some injury struggles. And look, I've I've joked <clears throat> ad nauseum to some people about Carey Price and how, you know, I, I, I don't think he's the best goalie in the world, and I don't think he has been for a bit. He was, in my opinion, the best goalie in the world for a good amount of time there. It's not often someone sustains that title for years and years and years, but, you know, you look back to certain years, and yeah, no, Carey Price was the best goaltender in the NHL for quite a while. But again, he's missed the entire season. Shea Weber has. And as of the time of recording, uh, there is only one player who has played over 70 games. I believe they have 73 games played, and there's only one dude that's over 70, and he's at 72, and that's Nick Suzuki. And he's the only guy to have missed one game or less. <laughs> Insanity. Insanity how bad this team uh, you know, played, how badly they've been injured. But looking ahead... They're in a damn good spot. I think Habs fans should be very optimistic about their future with that leadership group that they have. Obviously, you know, the big thing for the Habs right now is the emergence of Cole Caulfield, who has 17 goals in the time since Martin St. Louis was named head coach, at least interim head coach. Uh, you know, the core that they have, the young talent that they have, yeah, they're going to have to make some moves over the next little bit to get back towards being anywhere near cup contention caliber, but they've essentially fast-tracked this, you know? And it's funny because I always talk about the Habs and I always talk about with Mark Bergevin. I still say Pacioretty, Subban, etc., Keep that core together. I really genuinely believe you get the right pieces around them, and they could have made it. They could have made it to a final. They might have even been able to win when Carey Price was at his best. And they elected not to go that route. And again, Bergevin got a great return for Max Pacioretty. He, you know, I mean, say what you want. Shea Weber was one of the biggest reasons why they made the cup final last year, but obviously he paid for it because his body broke down by the end of it. And obviously, PK's had his own injury trouble since. But, you know, I still wonder what, what could have happened. This time out, in terms of moving on from certain people, I, you know, we'll, we'll never know what would have happened if they held on to Philip Deneau. Uh, I still say, in a sense, it's almost like when they elected not to hold on to Alex Radulov or, uh, out, you know, Andre Markov. It's just been a really bizarre decade for the Habs in general. This season... One of the strangest in NHL history. 
I think this is a season for an individual team that we'll look back on and be like, what the hell was that? But the future's bright. You know, the future is bright. So long as they can remove the voodoo curse that has bestowed them nothing but horrible injury luck. (laughs) The Ottawa Senators, currently uh, second bottom in the Atlantic Division at the time of recording. And the story of the season for them, now that they've, of course, been eliminated from playoff contention, I mean, obviously, you know, you could talk about all the on-ice stuff and everything like that. The unfortunate memory from this season will be the fact, of course, that their owner, Eugene Melnick, passed away. And I said as much in the immediate aftermath of him passing, he leaves behind a very complicated legacy in the NHL. Um, You know, again, two days before we heard of his passing, if you ask someone about Eugene Melnick, oh, horrible owner, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, you look at his legacy, and, yeah, he probably wasn't the best sports owner in the world in, in a lot of ways, but in some ways, of course, he was good. He kept this team in Ottawa. He was a very, uh, you know, his, his philanthropic endeavors, for lack of a better term, are very well documented. And it's it's a shame because right as this team looks like they're finally getting back on the right track after, I mean, really, it was five years ago, right, that Eric Carlson, really six years ago now, right, was that, 20, that was 2016 and 2017 when they lost to the Penguins in the conference final. And you're like, oh, man, maybe it'll work out. And then, bam, just downhill, right when it looks like they're finally getting back on track, you know, unfortunately, Eugene Melnick passes away. But I look ahead to this offseason. Again, they have draft picks. Not a ton, but two seconds, two thirds this year. Um, shout out to God! Didn't they get that? They, they, yep, that was the, it was Mike Riley for a twenty twenty two third. I actually like that deal for both teams. Uh, you know, I look at this team and what they've accomplished this year, and I think again they've been that team that have just been tough to beat. You know, at least from the outsider's perspective, they're not a team that constantly gets steamrolled. And I look at you know Brady Kachuk with. 50 points in 70 games just about now. 53 and 68 at the time of recording. I look at the emergence of Josh Norris. 46 points in 55 games. Josh Norris is everything they would have hoped he would be when they traded him for Eric Carlson, or Eric Carlson for him. Matthew J- Oh, the big hiccup. I knew it was coming. I tried to avoid it. Couldn't do it. Here's the issue. I get hiccups, and uh, oof, they last forever. So let's see what happens here. Matthew Joseph, 11 points in 10 games since being acquired from the Lightning, of course, in the Nick Paul trade. Very, very intrigued to see how he does moving forward. He's an RFA at the end of the year. And then you just keep running through the lineup. Formanton, Stutzla, uh, Drake Batherson. Obviously on defense, you know, you still have Shabbat. Uh, Brandstrom, will he, won't he make it at this point? But now they've also, uh, you know, signed Jake Sanderson, even though he hasn't gotten to play yet. I see a lot of good young pieces with this Sens team, and I stand by that statement of I view them as being on the up and up at this stage. Very, again, uh, bittersweet in some ways, but I don't know how much, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much longer Sens fans will have to wait. I don't know if it'll be another five years before they see the playoffs again. So, intrigued by them. The problem with that is the Atlantic Division's insane. You better hope Tampa and Boston are on the way down by then, and they probably will be, but hey, you never know. 
The Buffalo Sabres. What the hell has this season been for the Buffalo Sabres? As it stands, they have three first-round picks in this upcoming offseason and three second-round picks next year without too many major people to sign. They trade Jack Eichel, and somehow it's worked out tremendously because Alex Tuck is an incredible fit for this team. You have Tage Thompson, who has 32 goals this year. Skinner, Jeff Skinner's hit 30 goals again. You look at some of the other younger guys that they have, like Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs, who came over in that Eichel trade. Obviously, you still have Darlene. Someone like uh, Matias Samuelson uh, has actually been kind of decent this year. And then, obviously, now they just signed Owen Power. And at the time of recording this, uh, he just made his debut and honestly looked pretty damn good in the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, again, the future's bright for this team. And it's amazing how fast it turned around. Because at the beginning of this season, it was, boy, this franchise sucks. What are they doing with Jack Eichel? And yet, somehow, someway, they've pulled it off to be looking pretty damn good on the other side of this. And, you know, again, they still have certain prospects that we haven't seen. You know, they took Isaac Rosen in the first round of the most recent draft. They have Ryan Johnson as a defender that they haven't signed yet. Devin Levi... Uh, just won the Mike Richter Award for NCAA Goalie of the Year. What a pickup he was in the Sam Reinhardt deal when they sent him to Florida. I look at Montreal. I look at Ottawa. I look at Buffalo, and it's like, oh, my God. You know, people have talked about how insane the Atlantic division is with Florida, Toronto, Tampa, and Boston at the top of it. Man, that's not going to change. This division looks like it will continue to be a powerhouse division for the next decade, if not two decades based off of the ages of some of these guys. Yeah, I I think back to, for a good part of, I want to say for a good part of growing up, but, you know, I was towards, you know, end of middle school, high school, and even a little bit after, the Pacific Division, Anaheim, having to deal with L.A., San Jose. How many Eastern Conference, uh, you know, fans, you know, fans of a team in the Eastern Conference, like, oh, God, here's the California road trip. Hopefully win at least one game. I know Leafs fans felt that way with this Bruins fan. Uh, you, you know, again, I think now Western teams are going to look at this Atlantic division and just be like, oh my god, why? Why do we have to deal with this? It's going to be very intriguing to see how the teams on top deal with the fact that these teams towards the bottom are getting better and getting better fast. Maybe not you know, reflective on the ice right now, but you can't tell me Montreal isn't set up better now than they were three months ago. They obviously are. And the final team that that brings up, of course, is the Detroit Red Wings. And the bottom line is Steve Eiserman's their GM, so of course they are in a tremendous spot. Um, and you know, in the upcoming offseason, they don't really have too much to deal with in terms of major re-signings. And obviously, this season, it's been the story of Moritz Sider. Still my vote to win the Calder. He is insane. Like, just the presence that he is. The Bruins recently played the Red Wings. The presence that Moritz Sider brings to the ice for a 21-year-old kid. A kid by NHL standards. Insanity. Absolute insanity. Dylan Larkin, point-per-game player this year. Uh, I can disagree with uh, 
some of Tyler Bertuzzi's personal choices, he's almost a point-per-game player still, 54 and 57 at the time of recording. Lucas Raymond has 50 points in 69 games. Like They have arguably the two best rookies in the NHL this year. Now, I know uh, Ducks fans will disagree. Leafs fans could even uh, disagree. Preds fans can disagree with that. But you can't argue that the conversation's absurd because it's not. I still think they have a bit of a way to go. You know, I look at what their defense is at cap friendly at the time of recording. Danny DeKaiser's deals up at the end of the year. Uh, Mark Stahl's deals up at the end of the year. But like Cider, Ronick, uh, Wallman, Lindstrom, like I still think they're missing that defensive firepower that they need. Now, granted, they do have uh, the likes of Emil Vero in the system, Simon Edvinson, William Wallander in the system. You know, it's it's interesting that they're this good, as in, uh, you know, 66 points in 73 games right now. It's interesting that they're this good while they have this many holes in their lineup. Like, they're 24th in the NHL. And they're only going to get better. And they have arguably the best GM in the world. There aren't too many people... I think you can look at to say that you'd rather have have uh, as the GM of your team than Steve Eiserman. You know, I think obviously Panthers fans are loving life under Bill Zito right now, and rightfully so. But at the same time, there's no reason for Wings fans to not be confident. There isn't. They have defensive help coming. Sebastian Casa in goal. Uh, you know, if the the likes of Dedelkovic doesn't happen to work out again, they have picks moving forward. It's it's obviously, again, kind of a culture shock, and I think we talked about that with the New Jersey Devils when we talked about the Metropolitan Division and just how strong the ring, you know, the Red Wings were, also known as the Rings, uh, how strong they were for so, so long. You know, it can be frustrating, I'm sure, for Wings fans now to be like, oh my god, how much longer do we have to wait? But at the same time, what's this team going to look like five years from now? When Moritz Sider's entering his prime... What are the Red Wings going to look like? Scary is the answer. So with that, everybody, again, that brings to a close this little short episode of the podcast. Again, I will be back this Thursday talking about everything in relation to the Western Conference and the teams that have uh, fortunately been bounced from playoff contention. We'll talk about them. And then again, next Tuesday, we'll be back for a regularly scheduled podcast, so long as I make it back from my marvelous road trip. Again, a big shout-out to Manscaped. Code Tugi at checkout, 20% off your order, and free worldwide shipping. And, of course, make sure to keep up to date. YouTube stuff is still there. While I can't be streaming right now, YouTube stuff is still there. As always, Tugi24, T-W-O-G-I-E 24, my second channel, as well, content out there. I will see you guys later on this week. Thank you very much for checking out this particular uh, episode of the show if you made it this far, because obviously, uh, yeah, it's a weird situation to be in, but I do thank you guys very much. And again, I'll see you on Friday.